Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and I'm the host of My Time Capsule, in which I ask my guests to tell me the five things from their life that they would like to put into a time capsule. They can pick anything they like, but they must pick four things that they cherish and would like to keep safe, and one thing that they rather regret, something they'd like to bury in the ground and never think of again. My guest in this episode of My Time Capsule is the actor, singer, stand-up comedian and occasional trumpet player, Charlie Baker, who recently starred as Tony Blair in Tony the Musical, a new musical by Steve Brown and Harry Hill. And when I say starred, he absolutely smashed it. Charlie was brought up in Newton Abbott in Devon and has been performing since he was a young boy and has constantly showcased his brilliant singing voice. For example, his Edinburgh shows, such as Baker's Dozen, where he sang best-selling number ones from the 12 years leading up to that festival, and Just the One, which celebrated one-hit wonders. His stand-up shows are often peppered with musical outbursts, and you'll hear a bit of it in this podcast, I'm glad to say. As an actor, he's been in Miranda, The IT Crowd, Richard Bacon's Beer and Pizza Club, EastEnders, Doctors, Doctor Who, and the film The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas. He was a team captain on Channel 4's panel game, A Short History of Everything Else, and recently won Richard Osman's House of Games. He's got a trophy to prove it. He also won Let's Dance for Comic Relief. Charlie is a regular presenter for Talk Sport and has appeared on the BBC radio shows Fighting Talk and The Home Section. So, he's a busy bloke. Fortunately, he found the time to talk to me about the five things from his life he'd like to put in a time capsule. And even more fortunately, I recorded it. So here is that recording. I've made notes. Well, you are a professional broadcaster, I aren't you? So, I, take I, mean, I, I take it seriously. I take it seriously. I know. This, this improvisation, Lark, it's got to be well organised, <laughs> no, isn't it? No. Oh, yeah, you have to know what you're going to improvise and talk fluidly about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OK, I've got four things and a thing to ditch. Brilliant. Is that correct? That's exactly it. It's not that I've not listened to your podcast, Mike. No, no. That's the format I'm going to follow from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of four things and what I want to ditch. Do you do an intro or do we just get into it? I shall record an intro and I shall okay. put it on oh, beforehand lovely. so you don't All have right. to listen to me saying effusive things about you. Oh, that's nice. Or not. <laughs> I think we're very similar, Mike. I really admire you. I really admire your career. I really admire the way you work and drop in. And your family is obviously so important to you. Yeah. And uh, I, I really, I really admire you. I just, you wanted really? to say, I just wanted to say that do, early on. Do I owe you money? <laughs> no, no, no. You see, that's a classic bailout there. You see, <laughs> not, not accepting that's a classic <laughs> Mike Fenton Stevens, not accepting the compliment. 
<laughs> okay, I'll take it as a compliment, then bless yeah. you. But I admire you. I've worked with you. We did that fantastic Harry Hill and Steve Brown musical together, mm. and you were absolutely brilliant in it. Well, that's kind of you. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, ex- experience. I haven't done a theatre show for a while, mm. and I wanted to more or less prove, I think when lockdown hit and all those things happened, and I haven't done theatre for ages, the last thing I did was a Harry Hill's musical, mm. I Can't Sing. And uh, I've always done new musicals. I've always done new work since I was a kid, since I was, you know, 11. And uh, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could still do it. I still had the chops. I try and bring a stand-up comedy sensibility to theatre, which I think really should exist a lot more. Mm. Having seen you do that, I thought how brilliant you would be in restoration comedy. Yeah, but then I'd have to do it. And I'd have to do it, and I'd have to turn up every night in the same place and do it. And that's, <laughs> say the same words. And, and yeah. this is the problem I've found in my whole life, which <laughs> I'm sure we'll get, we'll get on to. All right, but, uh, well, let's move into that and see where we yeah. go. Let's, um, let's find out the things you want to put in a time capsule. Yeah, I've, I've, um, I've tried to avoid music, but I can't because I love music. So mm-hmm. uh, my first thing is this Louis Armstrong T-shirt, which I'm showing you now which looks like the oldest thing you've seen in your life, <laughs> covered in holes. It's very, very old. It's got battle scars, yeah. Got battle scars. And it's sort of a, for want of a better phrase, a Turin shroud of my life. Um, <laughs> I bought that when I was about 12, 13, and I was in at the Edinburgh Festival and I bought it. I've always, always loved Louis Armstrong. My whole life, since I was a little boy. I've no idea. I mean, there is something about him that does appeal to kids. Um, his music and the way he is, his his vibe, basically, you know. Yeah, that enormous grin. Yeah, but as I got older, I just realised also the musical genius of the man, mm-hmm. how he sort of created pop music. <laughs> um, and then I looked more and more into him, and you know, this is a man who was an orphan and picked up a trumpet at the age of six and taught himself to play the trumpet, and then taught himself to play the trumpet in a new way, and then drove music on. And then became the, probably the biggest star in the world with no detractors. <laughs> no one ever went, well, I don't like what he does. What he does isn't right. You know, <laughs> that's easy what he's doing. It's so hard. You speak to, you know, you, I read a brilliant interview with Winston Marsalis once talking about how hard the trumpet that Louis Armstrong plays is, although he mm. makes it sound pretty simple. But just for me as a person, just his vibe and his story has got me through a life as just how I've wanted to live my life is that immediacy, that joy, that sense of fun while doing serious, hard things Mm. has been how I've tried to run my career. But the T-shirt as well, the T-shirt is, I never never like to say I was a different child, but I did like Louis Armstrong from the age of six (laughs) and liked Frank Sinatra and, and jazz and big band jazz. And I took that through my teenage years. But that's not unusual, really, I think. I mean, I know that everybody who's been through that thinks, oh, my God, I was a weird child. Mm. But actually, we learn the things we like, first of all, from our parents. We don't go into being teenagers. We start by listening to the things that they listen to. Yeah, I think it was my grandparents, really. My granddad, right. particularly. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Sorry, I forgot we were quite different ages, aren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, my dad was a big blues fan and had the odd mm. record. But my gran on my dad's side and my granddad on my mum's side, my mum's my dad, they were they were sort of really into, into their music. And my granddad mm. particularly liked jokes. He liked Max Miller. He'd always be telling me a Tommy Cooper joke or a Max Miller joke. He'd play me records. He sang like Bing Crosby, like all old men did at, at that point. <laughs> you know, they all thought they yeah. could do it. You know, <laughs> and then uh, he introduced me to this album, Bing and Louie doing duets. Uh, and uh, it's a wonderful album. Absolutely amazing album. And the joy of that man, of, of, of Louis Armstrong on that album and the musicality. And you can hear it in Crosby's voice as well, can't you? He so loves singing with him. Yeah, oh, you can. Well, that's what everybody loved singing with Louis. I mean, my favorite, my favorite duet album of his is Ella and Louis, oh, Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong. Mm. That stomping, stomping at the Savoy on that album is in my top two records. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and it's I love thing that, that he does where he sings as if he's a trumpet. Yeah, yeah, Savoy, the home of sweet romance. Swing it, Ella. Happy feet, a chance to dance at the Savoy, like a cooking vine, warm and sweet as wine. Take the break. And then, and that cut on the album is the sound check. Wow. It's the sound check. And that's why he's so loose 
and he, <laughs> he does all these sort of little riffs and little mm -hmm. jokes in it, you know, and tell him about Norman Grants, you know, and all this sort of stuff. Tell him about, tell him, you know, and it's like it's just riffing, doing jokes, you know, and just the immediacy of it and him, the joy, the the joy he has for absolutely everything, and then the T-shirt. The T-shirt was like, you know, you can buy a, if you're, if you're a kid and you're into any band, you can buy a T-shirt. But the joy I had when I found this T-shirt <laughs> with Louis Armstrong on it as a, as a teenager. What were you doing at the Edinburgh Festival? At, at... Oh, I was in the National Youth Music Theatre. Ah. I did Oliver when I was 10. And then I, I, the first musical I ever saw was when I was in. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> with Oliver. With Derek Griffiths as Fagin, who was oh wow sensational. I bet he was sensational. Yeah, but what an experience as well as a ten. I, I danced. I tap danced from the age of five. Apparently, I asked to tap dance <laughs> at the age of five. I'm not sure about that, but you know, we can bring that up with my mum. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, did Oliver at the Plymouth Theatre Royal? What an experience for a kid, you know, to be <gasps> in proper full set. Roger Redfarn directed it. I don't know if he's still around, but he directed loads of stuff. You know, wow, around. yeah, but. Big, proper, full cast, full orchestra. What? I mean, I can still feel it. I can still feel it w walking out and doing. And I was only, well, I wasn't Dodger or anything, you know. Um, although I give off very Dodger energy. I'm very aware of that. Um, <laughs> as a boy, you're either Oliver or Dodger, you know. Yeah, um, but, I would say Jack Wilde energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, what a joy. I saw the London production of, of Oliver yeah. when I was a boy. So yeah. in 64, something like that, with um, Ron Moody. Really? Mm. Really? Uh, yeah. But I absolutely really? can remember the thrill, the astonishing thrill yeah. of that opening sequence. They walked across on scaffolding, I think, at the back, mm. at three levels, or just boys walking, yeah. is it worth the waiting for? Yeah. And they, they walked across the back slowly in silhouette. It stays with you, doesn't it? Oh, like, the thrill. I think that's the Sean Kenny design, I think. So I did that and this whole new world sort of opened up, you know, and then very lucky with the Plymouth Theatre Because if you're in the middle of nowhere, that's the other thing about Louis Armstrong. If you're from, from nowhere, from mm. middle of Devon, and you read about Louis Armstrong changing the world by learning the trumpet at the age of six, <laughs> you, you go, oh, well, you can do it. You know, and I've got very supportive parents, always had very, very lovely supportive parents who've always said, you can do anything, go and do it. But then when, you know, if you can see it, you can do it. But to do that show and then the National Youth Music Theatre did a show in Plymouth called Drake uh, about Francis Drake and Walter mm -hmm. Raleigh and, and on the main stage and we did this big show in that was Uncle Tom Cobbley and, you know, they brought in all these Devonshire things, you know, yeah. into, into this show. They took that to Edinburgh. Brilliant. So I was 11 years old in Edinburgh, doing Edinburgh. And then once I got involved with them, I continued to work with them till I was about 15, 16. And then here's, how about this? And then I did, then I did the National Youth Theatre mm. in London, and the show I did was Maggie May. Uh, that was the first show I did, another Lionel Bart musical. Mm. And Lionel was in the room with us oh. for five weeks' rehearsal. So we had Lionel Bart. So six years after doing first show I'd ever seen was one I was in Oliver, suddenly in the room taking notes from Lionel Bart mm. and having it, then going for a drink with him and. <laughs> you know, and, and him having no money, but him going, right, the drinks are on me, you know, you go, uh, Lionel, you haven't got anything, you know. He never got out of that habit. I mean, that was his life, wasn't it? But isn't that a way to live? It is a way to live, yeah. Isn't that a lovely way to live? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Louis Armstrong, I played the trumpet, you know, all those things, you know, and yeah, I can't I play the trumpet. Yeah, I was going to say, when did you start playing the trumpet? I can't play the, you know, I, I can fake the trumpet. I never <laughs> did an exam. I, I did five years of lessons and I never did an exam, never wanted to do an exam, just wanted to play and and... It's really bad. It's, it's, it's not bad, but it's just wanting to be able to just the immediacy of it, you know. Mm. And I just basically learned Louis Armstrong riffs and tried to play like Louis Armstrong. And those top notes. Yeah, they, well, just trying, you know. Yeah. I, you know. And even now I do in my set. I, do, I mean, I, people have to go, you really have to stop talking about Louis Armstrong because not everybody knows who he is anyway. You're turning up to do a student gig and you're going, imagine if Louis Armstrong was in Queen, you know, is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? No time for losers because we had a champions, you know. <laughs> That's very you know. good. <laughs> I, it would make me laugh, but I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, some people go, sorry, who is he doing? <laughs> yeah, Which yes. is sad. But yeah, just joy. And the T-shirt, and I was wearing it. So I joined the National Youth Theatre, was doing Maggie May. And we all used to stay in Tufnell Park Halls. 
mm. and I was 16 and you had your own room, cough, cough. And, <laughs> uh, and I was wearing the t-shirt the moment that I met the woman who 10 years later became my wife. <laughs> um, how did you meet her? You know, you're in this halls of residence and you're 16 <laughs> and the bars open and, and, and you're, you're living, you know? And yeah. So I think I'd had a couple of ciders and she'd had a few ciders, but we didn't get, we were friends for, well, we were friends. Let's put that in, a, in inverted commas. <laughs> we all know what that means in show business. We were friends <laughs> for 10 years first and then, and then got together. But I loved her the moment I saw her and I, and, and I can, I can close my eyes and I can, and I can picture it. And uh, mm. the Louis Armstrong t-shirt has survived probably three flats, three house moves. It's been in four lofts. It's been in. <laughs> it's, Do you wear it very often now? I, I never, ever wear it. A slim yeah. fit. I mean, I'm never, I can't wear it now. You've seen me. <laughs> and so the power of Louis Armstrong, the immediacy, the joy is. Yeah. So I would have that in my time capsule. Yeah. What a wonderful world. Ah, you see, his worst record became, why is that? People's worst records be, become their most famous ones. Yeah. You know, you listen to Mahogany Hall stomp and you go, well, <laughs> oh my God, this man's so alive. Listen, look at him. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and he's playing all these high, and he just, there's a great documentary. I don't know if it's, I've never seen, I've never been able to find it other than the CD of it. And it's this Louis going around Europe documentary. And some of the music he plays and they, they have this sort of interview with him where you can't really understand what he's saying, you know, <laughs> quite far down the line. I don't know if you know, he got addicted to Swiss Chris, which was a laxative. Um, and I always say, you know, maybe that's why he sounded like he did. He's always looking for a toilet. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> always squeezing his ass together. And that's how he hit the high notes. Um, <laughs> there's so much of him about, he's one of those time travelers, you know, Mm. he's bigger than all of us. Yeah, yeah, he is absolutely infectious. Because before him, everyone's going, night and day, <laughs> you are the one. You know, <laughs> night and day, you know. <laughs> I'd be perfectly happy for you to sing the entire song. How fantastic. <laughs> Glorious. Uh, well, let's I love put, him. Let's put that T-shirt in there to remind you yeah, of the, the great in. Louis Armstrong. That's brilliant, Charlie. Um, that's the first thing. So what's number two? Uh, my bicycle. I absolutely love, I love cycling. Mm. But I like the idea of a bike and what it offers you. Yeah. There's no, I can't remember who said it, there's, there's no more perfect invention than a bicycle. What it offers and, and the freedom it offers, and again, living rurally, you know, get a bike, go anywhere, you know, get anywhere. Yeah. And it's real calm for me when I need to calm my head or tire myself out or whatever. Mm. It's like a long stretch. It's not like going for a run or like playing football or something aggressive, which I like as well. But there's something very zen about it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It's hard, you know. And I never really, I never had a new bicycle till I was about uh, 19, 18. I always had sort of hand-me-downs. and, But I quite like that as well, that bicycles are just, they're really great objects. They look nice. They mm. feel nice. And, and when you ride a nice bicycle and then you ride a bad bicycle, you know, there's some things that are bicycle-shaped objects and there are some things that are really nicely designed. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever ridden a nice bicycle in my life. You know, never over 100 quid. Yeah, that's see, and then when you ride a nice bicycle, a nicely designed one, you go, oh, no, I get it. Mm. I get it. It's, it's a really different thing, like a nicely made, like anything nicely made. You hold it in your hand or you feel it or you can see the design of it or the shape of it or the balance of it. And I've, I've, I've just always loved cycling. And as a kid, you know, no one would care what bike you had. But we, I, it just, it's just memories of we had a village green, you know, and that's what we had to do. You know, mm. uh, and so we had loads of kids would come and we'd all jump, make ramps and jump each other and, <laughs> you know, and race each other down the hill. And I've got, I've got an older brother. And one, one of my things is who taught you to ride a bike? You know, who teaches you to ride a bike? I think it's quite an important thing. It's quite a big, a big memory not to get mm. all Kramer versus Kramer on you, you know, <laughs> but I have a real, I have a, I have a strong, I wrote a poem about it and I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know if this is allowed in a time capsule. And I have, I have written about four poems in my life and, uh, <laughs> I, I, and I have no reason ever to write any more, but if I'm going to have a platform ever to read a poem, I'd like to read it now. Is that all yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. This is about, um, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm blushing doing this, but I'm going to do it. I thought, I'm, I'm going to read the poem out and we'll yeah. see. And it's, this is about, um, so my brother, who's four years older than me, and uh, once we were riding, it was, must have been eight, 
nine years old and we were all riding down this very steep hill and at the bottom of the steep hill was some gravel and I hit this gravel and I slid along, scraped all my face up and, and, you know, mm. you know, proper kid, just kid stuff, you know, but he put me on the back of his bike and cycled me up the hill and cycled me home. Uh. Um, and I've never forgotten it. Never forgotten it. And then we've always done bike. We've always done cycling together. And uh, we did a thing a couple of years ago called the, the Dartmoor classic where basically I'd, I'd bitten off a lot more than I can chew um, with cycling <laughs> and we did this big cycling event it's about 70 miles around over dartmoor right and this was a baking hot summer and i was like oh this is gonna be it and i hadn't done enough training you know basically you know too fat to do it but i'd, I'd done some training and i'd, I'd got a bike my it's really nice bike and i was like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna follow my brother around you know and, and he's really good he's really fit he's done the london marathon he's done uh the ride 100 he's done uh, he swum the serpentine, you know, he's, 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 yeah. he's a really fit, high achiever. And I said, don't, please don't ride around with me. Just you go <laughs> ahead. You know, you go ahead. There are about a hundred hills on this thing. You know, some yeah. of them are crazy steep, but every single hill he'd wait for me at the top, not in a mm. horrible way, but just like, I'm going to get you around. I'm going to get you around. And I thought it, it never, if you've got a good, I've got a, an older brother and a younger sister and and it's, so important, I think, in your life to have a good relationship with your siblings or some sort of relationship with your siblings. So I always link up cycling with my brother. Mm. So I, 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 do, I think I equate cycling a lot of the time with my brother. So teaching my kid, I've got two kids, and teaching them both to cycle. I taught them quite early when they're about four or five years old. Mm. But the moment they pedal away <laughs> is such a parenting moment of of. Oh, and this is the first time they can go away from me quicker yeah. than I would like. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody shouts out, keep pedaling, keep pedaling. Yeah. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> keep going. You know, don't turn around and go, woo, yeah, no, you'll look, fall yes, off, you know. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So I'm gonna right, I'm rather embarrassed and you can cut it. If you think it's dreadful, I'm gonna read you the poem. Much I'm I'm cringing inside. <laughs> By appearing confident, Mike. It just won't be. What you've said about your brother and the way you've described your relationship with him, it just won't be. Uh, okay. He waits patiently at the top of the hill. He could push on, get there first, get a brighter prize. He's brilliant. But he waits. He's showing me the route. He's making sure it's safe. He always has. Always four years ahead. Calm. Flattening out the path. Beckoning me through. Pushing me on, lifting me on the back, on the metal luggage rack, gravel and mud, wet salt and blood, ferrying, safe, love. He waits, blind corners, hidden dips, unexpected steep climbs, patiently, freewheel, complete, together, at the top of the hill. Lovely. Lovely. Wow. It is lovely. I mean, what's gorgeous about it is that it's it's more than just a description of going on that cycle ride with him. It's uh, it's your relationship and everything. I really like that. Thank you. They'll find that in the time capsule and go, this old hack. <laughs> <laughs> so is that the longest journey you've done? That's that Well, that's the longest in one day, yeah. So, so it, it poured with rain. We were in the middle of a heat wave and uh. it poured with rain all day, <laughs> the whole day. And I've got this thing called Strava that uh, – tells you you know how far you've been how fast you've been and there's one hill that at one point i was going one mile an hour <laughs> <laughs> you would have been better <laughs> off getting off and walking my, my brother said i don't even know how that's possible <laughs> but i never i've never given up and i don't know what it is yes. i don't know if I've, i never i dig in and i mm -hmm. and i i've i've always thought no you you can do this. There's something in me that goes, you can, and that must be, must be parenting. It must be the way you're brought up and, and, and siblings and, and surrounded by support and, and love. And sometimes it's probably misguided. <laughs> sometimes, you know, you'll I will jump into stuff and I'll be six months down the line and go, Oh gosh. And that's how I end up with a thousand CDs of an album I made in my loft or, you know, <laughs> of, of, or, you know, whatever. And you, and you go so to have that belief sometimes probably does get misguided mm. but the cycling is just always within me of i can do this you can get round you're going to be able to get up this hill one pedal in front of the other mm -hmm. keep going you know 
So now with cycling, I've got all these dreams of you can cycle to Paris as a, as a route. and Yeah, but it's not a question of how fast you do these things, is it? It's just you can do them. I've got a friend here in Tunbridge Wells. He's, uh, he's, he's German. He's 52. He's at this very moment down in Alicante picking up his bike because he rode it from Tunbridge Wells to Alicante and then flew home. Lovely. Mm. What an amazing thing to do. Amazing thing to do. And especially if you don't give yourself a, any sort of time limit. I think he had a certain time. He was invited to a party in Alicante and thought, that's in about three weeks' time. If I go now, yeah. I could make it. What a lovely thing to do. Admittedly, his bike did cost £7,000. They are good now, bikes, mm. though. They are good. And, and it's only like a rubbish small car, you know, and that bike will be incredible. He yeah. won't even know he's on it. It's the closest you get to flying. <laughs> Think of what bikes have been used for in history, escaping the Nazis, you know, <laughs> yes. or, or, you know, all these things, you know. <laughs> Think of all the things that bikes have been used for. And that, uh, the future should be bike, you know, electric bikes. Yes, you see a lot of people of my age travelling around on electric bikes now. Mm. That is the way they get about. And if you look at the history of the design of bikes, thank goodness somebody came up with the one that we use now because there were so many <laughs> yeah, weird yeah. ones. They? And yeah. they might have caught on. They might have been the thing. We might all be just going up and down yeah. on our seat to make yeah. ourselves go forward. I recommend you ride a good bike, Mike. I think I'm you'd like try it. it. I'm, I'm not saying you become the full... Like my son-in-law is a, is a cyclist is and he? he's got a good bike, yeah. And I might borrow his and say, can I go for a ride? You'll be clipping in before you know it. <laughs> they always say as well, if you like bikes, there's a phrase they always say is, how many bikes is enough bikes? <laughs> and it's one more bike than you've already got. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's put that into the time capsule. Let's put cycling Lovely. your bicycle into the time capsule. Mm. That's two things we've done. So two let's things. move on to wow. the third thing. Right, hokey-cokey, time for a short break while we play you some adverts. We'll see you very soon for more from Charlie. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we're back. So let's not waste any more time and get back to my chat with Charlie Baker and find out the rest of the things he wants to put in his time capsule. The third thing. I'm not going to name any teachers or any uh, <laughs> establishments, but the thing I will bury is some teachers and some training I had at quite an important period of my life when trying to get into the industry. And in many ways at that point, I don't know if it's still the same now, drama training and the way that, that acting, coaching and training is seen as a whole, mm -hmm. I think does a lot of people a lot of damage. Well, as you know, Charlie, it's a very serious business. It's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. I think people a lot of the time want to intellectualize it because they do not understand that some people are just good at it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying you can't learn it, 
but some people are just performers and actors and naturally can do it. Mm-hmm. And I think clever people got hold of it at some point and thought, I can't do it. So they intellectualize it. Yes, but I can break it down into its I can components. break it down. Look at me. I can mm. break it down. And, and I think that's where RP comes from. Right. I think RP is a scourge on acting. <laughs> yes. Why should I lose my... I was taught to lose my accent from the age of 14, 15. Mm-hmm. You'll you need to lose that. You know, you know. What accent is RP other than the accent of oppression? <laughs> God save the king. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yes. You know, and so I just feel like people aren't allowed to be themselves. Mm. And I think that is key to being a good actor is knowing who you are. Yeah. Not how to put other people on. Mm. So the moment I found stand up to go and do, and I'm not, look, I'm not the greatest actor in the world. I'm not the greatest stand up. I'm not the greatest anything in the world, but I'm the greatest me in the world. And <laughs> I found finding stand up and what that let you be as a performer so freeing, mm. so freeing. And it made me mourn for the five <laughs> years of my life that I was fighting that completely. Yeah. because I thought this, this is what, how you do this and this is what you do and, and shut that side down of you. Don't be that person. That's too loud. You're too loud. That's too much. Mm-hmm. That's too showbiz. Stop doing jazz hands. Stop, you know, <laughs> you know, yes. all those, th- all those things which are correct in certain things, but I th- surely training and creating good actors is about finding the bit of you that is sellable. Mm. After first term of drama school, I had a moment of clarity where I sort of went, this isn't right. I'm not at the right, I'm not doing the right thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, as we've said, I've discovered if I think something, I do it, you know. Yeah. And I said, I said to one of the teachers, tutors at the time, I said, I don't want to be Hamlet. I want to be Bruce Forsyth, <laughs> which was a moment of clarity. Sort of, I went, ah, mm-hmm. and then sort of, well, no, 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 sort of pushed that out and pushed that out. And of course, if you're from Devon and you don't know how to get into the business, this is the route into the business. You know, this is how, yeah. what you hear, you know, do this, go to drama school, do these things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they're not wrong. They weren't wrong. You know, they weren't wrong. They were teaching what they taught, you know. Then, of course, you, you're storing up problems. You're getting into an industry and, and the, that's what the job is, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what I say to young actors now. The job is turning up and doing it. Again. <laughs> Again. Mm-hmm. And you turn up tomorrow and you do it again. And that might be for three months. That might be for a year. That might be for a week. That might be for one off. And also what I found difficult was none of it's mine. None of it's mine. Mm. I found doing other people's stuff a lot of the time. Well, okay, we'll do that. That's, mm-hmm. that's the job. And, and so what stand-up offered was you make it, you say it, you live and die by it. It's yours. If you come up with it now, you can say it tonight. Mm. and it's immediate it's that louis armstrong trumpet solo it's that you're getting the feedback and then you're somewhere else tomorrow night and you're somewhere else tomorrow night and it's different and i think acting used to be more like that when you read books about the history of the theater and the the history of acting and where it all comes from and Mm. and it comes from touring players and traveling players and, Mm -hmm. and you'd have had to be able to turn up and do it and put the set up and and I'm not saying that that's all all right, but it's a lot more circus or I don't mm. know. I don't know where it's been lost. And I don't know if it's when business got involved through producers being people, you know. Yeah, that's strange thing that you go into a theatre and in, in a way the audience is told to, to sit back and not be part of it. Mm. You can watch it, but don't interfere. Yeah. We bring everyone up on panto in this country. Everyone's first theatre experience is more or less panto. And then the moment they go and see anything else, shh. and then i have a problem with the a lot of plays would just get you booed off stage in a a comedy club you know and (laughs) and and, and so so i just have a there's just a lot of things i sort of go oh and so i wasn't right i was doing the wrong thing so it's 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 more about me than than but my experience of that as a whole Mm. that whole sort of drama school drama lessons element to it and you get and also you get the odd teacher that just wants to hold you down. And at the time you feel like it's you. And as you get older and more mature, you go, Oh, that wasn't me. Oh, it wasn't me. Mm. It was them. That was them. You know, yeah, that was their problem. That was nothing to do with me. And, 
and even me with this massive confidence and, and, and self-belief and get up and go and I'm going to do this myself, that helped me back, you know, mm-hmm. bad teaching, not from yeah. everyone. You, and then you get one or two that, that make your life, you know, so mm. Does that make sense or not? It does I don't make know, sense. Mike, I think that, that, that just as they can be really inspirational teachers, they can also be teachers that are either so dull that they put you off something or, as you say, are only thinking about themselves and being in charge. They're not interested in your opinion. You look, you look back and go, why were you there? I, for a long time, felt a lesser actor than most people around me because I didn't go to drama school and I wasn't trained. Mm. Slowly, I started to think, hang on a minute, I think I'm freer than other people. Yeah. I, well, I think you are. Because you naturally can do it, you know, and that's some people can. And and I'm not saying it's wrong if you've learned it. There's a place for it all. But I just think the clever people got hold of something that is an awful lot of fun. (laughs) To put it in the sort of terms that they wouldn't like, let's bury all that shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll bury that period of my life. And then it's a personal thing rather than... Not that it was awful. I mean, I had fun, you know, but but just the, the feeling I feel and the escape... The escape that was stand-up comedy fills me with pure joy. Wonderful. That's the bad thing out of the way. Well done. Good. So we've got two good things to go. Yeah. I wasn't going to talk about sport either because I talk about sport all the time in one of my jobs. And also I know sport turns a lot of people off sometimes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it's I, I, I'll try and make it accessible. But I'm a huge fan of Torquay United Football Club. It's not the biggest football club in the world. No and has very, very little success, and I am addicted to it. (laughs) (laughs) I am absolutely addicted to them, to the idea of them, to the way they play football, which is dreadful a lot of the time, (laughs) Uh, where they are in the league. I've supported them since I was nine years old, so my, my complete life history is wrapped up in them. I connect events and family events and life events to to them completely and I've realized it's not about football it's a, it's life it's family mm. so the only thing that talk united in in their history have ever actually won we you know we've got promotion now and again we've come third and got promotion the only thing we've ever actually won mm. was the national league south uh, in 19 which is not very long about 3 years ago you know only thing we've ever ever won like we come the top of the tree, won the trophy, <laughs> stood up, we are the champions, the full lot. Yeah. And I think that is good for you as a human to <laughs> support a team that doesn't win all the time. Yes. Um, I used to do a, a joke in Panto, particularly yeah. when I was in Cambridge, because it worked terribly well there, which was uh, I'm wearing my Cambridge United bra. There's very little support and no cups. Oh, beautiful. What a lovely joke. Good gag. Oh, what a great gag. I'll have that. I always used to say I... I I grew up knowing them as Torquay United nil. uh... (laughs) Uh, Very good. But I think it's the thing to do with punching above their weight. You know, it's, 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 if you're trying to achieve in your life, you're trying to achieve big things in a big world to have something that keeps you connected to where you're from. Cause that's Mm. what it is. It's, it's a connection to where I was born, to who my nan supported, to the rest of my family. It's a shorthand. When we won that trophy, I knew that the 10-year-old me would have been beside himself, you know, um, and I've got memories there. You know, we're the team that were going down and a police dog ran on the pitch, bit one of our players, and in the extra time we scored a goal which kept us in the league. Um, You know, and and any person who supports a small club will, will, or, or a club where they're from, I think it's so important to support the club where you are from. I know you don't, Mike. No. So I really judge you on that um (laughs) (laughs) i was born two weeks after the munich air disaster so i was okay thanks for dragging it down and making me look bad so mine's real support proper of course yeah Yeah. out of dedication it is the biggest club in the world of course that's true yeah 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 yeah. quite Uh, easy to support manchester united isn't it (laughs) you try going to school when i did (laughs) they didn't win anything Anyway, I can absolutely understand that sense of a sort of an exclusivity about that, supporting your local team. And we do. The people from here, yeah. we support them. And you don't. This is our club. This is where we go. Yeah. It's not really about the football for me. I mean, it still is about the football for me, and I, I love I love them. But it is, it's a sense of belonging. It's a sense of self. It's a sense of history. Mm. I like being defined by it. 
<laughs> I like being known as a Talkie United fan mm. and people going, who? Or the rubbish. What are them <laughs> for? Like, where, what division are they in? They're, they're rubbish. And I work on a radio station that, you know, is constant Manchester United, Chelsea, Manchester City, Liverpool, you know. Mm. There's my favourite all-time talkie player is a player called Rodney Jack, you know, and they'll be talking about uh, Ryan Giggs or someone or, you know. Ronaldo. You know, Je- yeah. Jeff Hurst or someone. <laughs> oh, yeah, but they're no Rodney Jack. Because, <laughs> you know, those big footballers, people who watch them, they don't feel any different to how I felt watching Rodney Jack. No. The feeling is no different. Winning the National League South, just because you've won the Champions League in the last minute with an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer header, mm-hmm. you don't feel any different to how I feel. No, no, the pride and the excitement is still the same. The excitement yeah, and, and the pride and the, and the, the ownership and the, and the belonging is no different, despite the different size of the clubs. This is the thing as well. So my son plays football. He plays on a Sunday. And the joy of when they win. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you, there's nothing like it. I mean, it's more. It's, it's more when you're connected to it. Or he, used, he was a goalie for like, he's not a goalie anymore, but I used to love him being a goalie because mm. it's such a hard position. Yeah. He's a drummer and a goalie, you know, so he sits at the, he's, sits at the back, sits at the back, and, and it's actually the most important thing in any band. And if you go team. wrong, you're the one yeah. that lets people down. Yeah. Exactly, you know. But also, I'm really competitive. I love competition. Mm. I, I don't necessarily always want to win, but I want the competition. I never want to just play for no, nothing or for fun, you know. I like <laughs> what we're playing. Best out of three. Okay, right. Once If someone goes 2-0 up, that's it. I don't want to play. No, I don't want to play the third leg. <laughs> I don't know, you know, not in a horrible way. Just I like, I like playing someone a little bit better than me at everything. <laughs> <laughs> With the hope that you beat them. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what, and that's supporting Talkie United. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Uh, where every time we score, it's a miracle. <laughs> you never expect it, but that's, that's the joy of it. I suppose is there's so few scoring opportunities that that's the excitement of a goal, you know? You learn geography from football and, and Scunthorpe are coming down. Whoa. <laughs> no way. Oh, gosh. Scunthorpe. Them lads from Scunthorpe. Yeah, tough. Yeah. You know, and of course, there could be anything. Two old blokes in cloth caps. Could be anything, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, I just like the um, the surprise and punching above its weight and, and representing. That's what I like. Mm. The representation of where I'm from and, and, and what it is. Lovely. Okay, well, let's put that in then. Okay. Let's put Torquay United in. There we are. They've won. They've won. National League South. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to the final thing. Yeah, the final thing. I only got it recently, and I didn't know we even still had it. So uh, my mum and dad recently uh, moved from their big house to to a a bungalow, and um, part of the move was clearing out the many sheds, my dad, that he was a sort of six shed guy, you know, <laughs> and uh, one of the things he had in one of his sheds was the sign from the front of his business that he had his whole life. From, mm. He used to work there as a boy with my granddad and my gran and his brother, and then he carried on the business as he got older and took the business on and, and built it on. And, and this was a garage. This was a, a, a car garage. Right. So uh, when my granny and granddad did it, uh, it was a petrol and gasoline and wipe your window. We're talking 30s, 40s, open 365 days a year. And, wow. and also, you know, fill up your water, do your, you know, my dad would do that as a boy, you know, as a sort of seven, eight-year-old boy. He'd be out there doing oil and bits and mm. pieces. And then as they got older, they he, he carried on doing it and they moved premises and started selling cars and started doing breakdowns and, building a business basically. Mm. And then he eventually bought the business with his brother off my granddad. And, and then they took it on themselves. And then they moved up the road, same street, always on the same street <laughs> in Newton Abbott, yeah. the Avenue. And then eventually got this big premises and proper showroom that you'd sort of recognize now as a, as a showroom and sold cars and did used cars and had a body shop and built this really, really good business. Brilliant. So everybody from Newton Abbott would know where Baker's was. Well, well, so it was Key Garage Key was garage. the name of the garage. Right. Key, Q, as Q-U-A-Y. Mm-hmm. And that was our life. And he worked so hard, so hard, six days a week, nine to six. And, and <laughs> I don't know, he's always been busy. He's always liked being busy. Mm. And he was very front-facing as well. He was sort of a salesman and good with his staff and his staff liked him. And he was the boss, you know, and he was always his own boss. And I've always credited him 
you know, and my mum, and then my mum's running the home, you know, mm. basically mum's running the home, which is the hardest thing to do. But always uh, that work ethic and that just being your own boss, enjoying what you do, not taking any shit, but being good to people at the same time is just so Im- important. And, and I think so hard to do. Mm. So hard to do. And especially if you're, you've got, I mean, I've never had staff and I never want to have staff, <laughs> you know, or if you're running a business and he's used to go, I've got, I remember him, I remember him, you know, in the mid eighties when it was going mad, you know, when mm. interest rates were going absolutely mad and it was crashing and everything. I just remember him saying to my mum, I've got to sell 12 cars tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. what I've got to do, you know, yeah. is sell 12 cars. Tomorrow. And that terrible thing as a boss having to let people go. Yeah. Your mechanic comes in. And he said, oh, you know, we're having another baby, oh. you know, and you're thinking, well, you know, all those things. So, so, uh, so I sort of equate how he, him doing basically what, what we do, which is running our own business and mm-hmm. selling yourself and not being able to sell stuff, you know, mm-hmm. is him selling the latest Fiat Uno or not. <laughs> but at the same time, if he doesn't sell the latest Fiat Uno, then that mechanic can't feed his baby. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know what I mean? Pressure. If the business disappears, so it's a whole other pressure. So the respect I have for him as a businessman, as a person is second to none. But also as a parent now, I used to go, God, he was he's quite grumpy on a Sunday. God, <laughs> he'd always be quite cross, you know. You know, oh, why was he so cross, you know, or like on a Wednesday night, you know, why was he, oh, why wouldn't he take me and do that? You know, you know, and he would, he'd take me everywhere. You know, they'd drive me to Plymouth and back, you know, yeah. and to do the shows and, you know, all, all this stuff. You never know, never know. He remember once he had to pick me up, he drove to Leeds, picked me up and brought me back to, so I could do the school play the next day, you know. And, oh, why is he so cross about it? You know, <laughs> and I look now, I catch myself reacting to things now or being grumpy or being hung over or whatever, or thinking, I don't want to, I'm thinking, that's why. <laughs> and you learn. He was knackered. He was knackered <laughs> and he was stressed and he just wanted to sit down yeah. and go, no, absolutely not. And so the respect I have for that is endless, mm. endless. And mum running the house, you know, as well. And and them being able to keep their marriage together and, and love each other and bring us all up in a loving home. We're never ever rich, but never needed anything, never wanted uh, and just just great parenting really. And so that work ethic has just completely bled into me. And anyway, I have the key garage sign from the front of the garage, which I didn't know he'd kept. And I saw it and I went, can I, I think he was, I don't think he was ever going to throw it. I mean, I can't throw anything away. And I think that comes from him, you know, but I'm so pleased to have the key garage sign. I will look at it forever and go work, do it, (laughs) go and get it, go and get it. You know? Yeah. If in fact, fundamentally, you enjoy what you do. And I think that comes from doing it the way you want to do it. That will make it enjoyable. Mm. If that's what you do, then you can get through all sorts of hardships and difficulties. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say as well, a lot of the time, whenever I've messed up on a job or not got a job or annoyed people or walked out of a meeting or a rehearsal and gone, mm, that was probably got that wrong, mm-hmm. you know, which if you are bombastic does happen and 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 you do go, oh, yeah, you are your own boss, but <laughs> you can't just, you know. And we always used to have dads, oh, dad's fallen out with the bloke because you're so used to work, <laughs> you know, and now I'll I'll hire, be hiring a car or something and I'll go, oh, <laughs> you know, and I'll fall and I'll have to go and get my wife, Sam, to, you're going to have to do it. I've just fallen out with the bloke, uh. you know. So, <laughs> so <laughs> and it just comes from, I don't know, but. There's a James Taylor line that is uh, a soft as smoke and tough as nails. (laughs) And uh, that's how I see him, you know. He's he's a nice, tough, kind man, you know. Lovely. Which I think is what we all try and be, isn't it? Who wouldn't want to be? Who wouldn't want to have that to live up to? No, exactly. Fantastic. Okay, Charlie, we're going to take the key garage sign. People can look up key garage then. There's nothing online. Pre-internet as well, so, you know. I've got the only bit of ephemera. (laughs) Do you hear the sound of seagulls? <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> Lovely. Exactly. Not even anywhere near a key. I don't know why it was nowhere near the sea, Newton Abbott. People constantly turning up saying, could you cut one like this? And you go, no, not that sort of key. Read the sign, for God's sake. <laughs> Charlie, what a joy. What, what a lovely time it's been. Oh. Thank you so much. 
Well, thank you for asking me, Mike. And it's just lovely to spend time in your company. So <laughs> I can't wait to work with you again at some point. We can both show off together. There must be something we can do together. Oh, that's the best thing, you know, when you get two people who want to show off together. It really is. Yeah. I will say with some projects, sometimes you're with actors. And this is the difference between, I think, comics and show-offs and trained actors mm. is no one wants to be down the front. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be down the front. Yeah. If you're not going to go down the front, I'll go down the front. <laughs> and as soon as you turned up, Mike, I was like, well, Michael, go down the front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But some people are bass players, some people are drummers, some people are piano players, and some people are Louis Armstrong. And that's what you got to try and be, isn't it? You know, but that's what I want to be. Oh, oh imagine, be- imagine being Louis oh, Armstrong. Fantastic. My God. <sighs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful indeed. Charlie, as are you. Thank you, mate. (laughs) Take care, mate. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my lovely guest, Charlie Baker. Ta very much for listening. And don't forget to rate this show and feel free to subscribe to it. It's available on all good podcast players. And if you click on subscribe, we will make sure you're informed whenever a new episode is available. We'll probably come round to your house and knock on the door. As you know, that would take forever. Anyway, if anyone is a budding journalist or just enjoyed this podcast so much that they have to tell the world, then on some podcast outlets, not all, obviously, you can actually write a review. We are most grateful to everyone who's ever done that. Thank you for all the lovely things you've said. Of course, you can also find out what's happening with the podcast if you follow me or my time capsule on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook, where we're always going on about it. In fact, feel free to message us. We try to reply to every message. The theme tune that you can hear playing in the background is by Pass the Peas Music and is available on Spotify if you want to hear an unadulterated version of it. This was a cast-off production, and the producer was John Fenton-Stevens. And thanks to Acast for being our podcast host. Right, I'll let you get on with your lives, or maybe listen to another episode. Both worthwhile activities, obviously. Keep well and stay happy. A bit of a problem for me at the moment, both those things. Well, it's this back. I just won't get better. I went to see the doctor about it. She asked if I'd been sleeping differently. I told her I'd been lying on a pile of old magazines. And, of course, silly me, but that was the problem. Back issues. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.